I think that would be of interest to all of us. The, uh, the Mangalacharan, or the sacred preface, Mangalacharan, means kind of a Mangala, auspicious, and invoca- in- invocating auspiciousness by way of seeking blessings, offering respects to, to the presiding deity, giving a blessing, and so forth. Um, Mangalacharan technically consists of three elements uh, that... Uh, Again, uh, offering respect to the presiding deity of the book, a uh, an explanation in in kind of a very condensed form of the essence of the text, and a verse that uh, offers a blessing to the readers. So, Namaskara, uh, Vastinirdesh, and Ashirvad, slokas or verses, and uh, among these, Krishna's Kaviraj has composed two of his own namaskar verses: a, a verse that is general in its offering of respect, and one that is specific to the deity of the book, Gora and Nityananda. And then he's composed a verse that is the Vastanudesh Shloka, a verse that speaks in a condensed way about the, the subject matter. And uh, he's done that in, interesting, in an interesting way by borrowing from a couple of different verses, if you will, um, from the Bhagavatam, central verse that... Uh, that the entire uh, Bhagwat, Paramatma, Sundarbhas uh, are expanded out of, and the third verse that the Krishna Sundarbha is expanded out of. These are all three essays that uh, cover the ground, what we call Sambandha. It is the ground, really. Sambandha means relationship, so to get your balance in relationship to everything else that's going on around you, your balance in relation to matter, in relation to other jivas like yourself, in relation to the source of both, the Godhead and so forth. And that idea, of course, can be developed further. Relationships are a big thing, so everybody... uh, well, a lot of people seek them, let's say, and and uh, it helps them to be grounded. So, in, in, a, in a practical sense, this samandha is about a grounding, hmm? a grounding by way of a conceptual orientation that will naturally, as any conceptual orientation does, foster subsequent action. Hmm? How we conceive the world is determines how we'll act within it or in relation to it. So. So three verses, uh, three three essays. Jiva Goswami has written uh, in his Satsandarbha, which is a six-fold treatise. Three of them about Sambanda. So to get your feet on the ground, to get grounded, so to speak, in 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 the bhakti orientation. It's uh, there's a lot to that. Mm. And so in his Vastanudesh verse, the verse of his sacred preface, Krishna Skaviraj has made a verse that's 
consists of the two primary verses that the entire samanda of Satsandarbha is is expanded out of. This is the first. And um, the second is really one line of a verse, which you all know. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. This is Krishna Sandarva. So this is, uh, he's combined these in a way and made his own verse with some nuance, addition. Hmm? Uh, in which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is introduced into the picture. And I've written about that verse and written some articles about it too. I've written a chapter in, in the book I'm writing and um, some articles about it. Well, but I, I think we'd, we'd skip on to that from that to the, uh, the Ashirvad Sloka, which is uh, the offering of blessings, this aspect of his Mangal Charan. Hmm. Ashirvad. And for this, he takes a nice verse, uh, borrows a verse from Rupa Goswami. Let me sing it for you. Some of you may be familiar with it. Anarpita charim charat krunayabhatina kuru Samarpitam unutulsula Rasam sabakti sriyam hari purutasundra dhuti kadambasandi pita sadahdaya kandares purutova sachi nandana so as I said, he has composed some of his own verses. Krishna's Kaviraj is a is a is a Kavi and a Raj amongst Kavis. Kavi means a poet, a learned person. Hmm? Many, many, many of the associates uh, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the media associates, I think I counted them once up to fifty-four, were known poets and uh, literateurs, uh, writers, authors, artists, and the like. This is a Something not to be too much identified with, as Mahaprabhu has taught us in his Shikshastakam. Nadanam na janam na sundurim kovitam He says that, uh, oh, I have. Nadanam na janam na sundurim. I have no desire for wealth, for uh, a significant other, for um, funding, power, economic support, whatever. The whole range of material. Desire, he's saying, I have no inishta, the stage before that. There's a thinking and an intellectual uh, absorption. Nishta preoccupies our intellect in ways that before attaining nishta, our senses and minds get the best of us, which makes our progress uh, up and down. There's a learning curve. We call it anishta, bhajana kriya. And uh, we go through the motions, and we don't get as much out of it. As you begin to apply your intelligence, then you can think more deeply about what you're doing and draw strength from the texts and, the, and the, such a powerful and uh, comprehensive literary heritage we have. Hmm? And, of course, Prabhupada was proud of, 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 of underscoring that by way of saying repeatedly, as he as he would, that I think we have 60 books or something like that. And if you listen carefully, of course, uh, he would say, and this is just the beginning or something like that, he would say, um, there are 
12 cantos, 18,000 verses of the Bhagavatam, as it's manifest here for us. But it's an ongoing story and many volumes and cantos, and you have to listen for that. <laughs> A lot of people seem to miss that point. Um, I mean, Bhagavat, it is the story, if you will, of the personality of Godhead. Hmm? Bhagavat Purana, the story. Srimad Bhagavatam, the Goswamis have uh, yeah, more readily uh, employed this uh, name, Srimad Bhagavatam. Sri means seeing the Bhagavat from the eyes of Sri. Hmm? So sometimes in, in closer circles, they will refer to it as the Radha Bhagavatam, which would otherwise send up all types of red flags for people. What do you mean? Her name is not even mentioned there. Hmm? And the Godis are seeing it on every page, in every verse, hmm? Hmm. directly and indirectly. Her perspective on, on the Godhead, on Krishna, that is the perspective that he himself uh, lacks that does not, and as a result, it leaves him unaware of things about him that are the most fascinating. And that, of course, fascinates him, but we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Uh, so, at any rate, as I say, this, we have a, 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 a voluminous body of uh, text. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was... Here, this verse describes him in terms of his acharya lila, Krishna, it means, acting as an acharya and teaching. Prabhupada used to tell us that the first business of the acharya is to make a literary contribution. And it used to be in times gone by that the principal literary contribution of an acharya, which distinguished him or her as such, would be a commentary on the sutras of Vyas. Just for a way of thinking about that, of course, the sutras of Vyas are what I would say the first attempt in human society, um, modern human society, that uh, of uh, of theology, because the sutras are trying to make sense out of the great body of revelation that are the Upanishads, that are a jungle of sounds that are difficult to sort out, seem at a glance to be going in different directions and un- uncoordinated, so to speak. But the attempt in the sutras by Vyas, the legendary author, editor, compiler of the text, as he's thought to be in the tradition, uh, was to show the concordance of all these statements. This is what we call theology, to make sense out of revelation. Hmm? While this happened in Europe much later with regard to um, the biblical and Western revelation, it happened in Europe largely because of the, of, of, of the finding, the discovery of some books written by Aristotle that previously weren't known that shed light on the natural world in a way that could not be you know, d- denied, but wasn't necessarily supported, it would seem, from the Bible and the faith-driven kind of world of of Europe at the time. So they had to reason about that and make sense out of that in relation to 
the revelation as they had understood it. And of course, the hope is the idea is that their understanding of the revelation improved and went deeper. And and this revelation idea is a very interesting idea. It, it may be a little foreign to some people. Um, old books from times gone by, revelation. Hmm. Faith itself is thought to be a kind of a departure from reason. Hmm. But we think of it quite differently, actually, and for, and for good reason. Hmm. The Gita spe- speaks of faith as the very animating principle in life. Hmm. Shadhavan Purusha, what is it? Shadhamayo, Shadhayam Purushaha. A person is their faith. Hmm. I like to cite uh, Pujapad Sridhar Maharaj who used to say, Suspension, uh, suspicion leads to suspension. So the doubting, hmm, Descartes said, I doubt, therefore I am. Hmm. I question, I. I. Hmm. There was a sense of an I. Hmm. It's an interesting point in, in Western um, thought. Hmm. And, uh, well, many people nowadays don't agree with the, the, the conclusions of Descartes. There's much to it that, that, um, that is undeniable, his thought, and that basically that in human life we have self-consciousness. This is human time. I am. Hmm. It's interesting, of course, this thought was, was, was prominent in, in India centuries earlier in the revelation of the East or the, and the theology of the East, I should say, the sutras, much predates the theology of the Western uh, world. And the thinking, well, in this regard, as to the nature of self, self-awareness, was not such that I thought I am, and I think that I am, and so I'm different than everybody, everything else in the natural world, which has no thought and, and doesn't need to be honored in any way other than as I see fit for my self-conceived purposes, being the son of God, who will be pleased if I'm happy. <laughs> so I'll use the natural resources of the world for, for such. Uh, they didn't seem to, he didn't seem to make this connection between the fact that humans are self-conscious, self-aware, hmm? They're, they're aware of themselves, that I exist, the sense of I am, and and in the sense of perception, which is an aspect of consciousness, that is not as developed to the point of thinking I am. In other words, we see in less complex forms of life perception, consciousness, awareness. But do we see awareness, I am? Well, it depends how closely you look and how far down the ladder so to speak, you go in terms of complexity. But there seems to be more <laughs> that we have in common as agents of perception, for example, between ourselves and animals, while they may lack, to some extent, these, the self-awareness that I am, they have awareness. And to turn awareness just then into well, that's just the function of the objective world matter or something, isn't it? 
I mean, there's no soul in the words kind of idea. It seems they didn't do this in India. Is my point hmm? when they became when they thought I am, hmm? then they 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 thought uh, deeply, and they pursued methodologies for experience hmm? as to what that I and what that subjectivity is. And they found themselves to have a correlation with other living beings, hmm? and uh, and a way of looking at the natural world that didn't um, say to you that you can do what you want with me, rape and pillage me as you like. And of course, it's only an interpretation, I should say, of the biblical revelation that would lead someone to their other interpretations that. <laughs> that don't uh, take us in that uh, direction. And some, in this way, there's some continuity between all forms of revelation, we would think. Hmm? Um, so, at any rate, um, revelation is an interesting concept, and it's, it's very central to our tradition because we think, naturally, that if one wants to know perfectly, one has to have a perfect method of knowing. And we do want to know perfectly because our actions are informed by knowledge and we want to act in such a way that we can become perfectly happy. So we need a perfect method for knowing. And the thinking is not the perfect method for knowing. Thinking and intellectual life is very much a fence-sitting type of life. Without entering into the pasture, so to speak, or sitting on the, uh, the, the, the proverbial uh, honeybee out, uh, outside of the jar or something like that. Or, um, it's a, it, there's a type of apprehension that can be arrived at by intellectual exercise, but it, it's not complete. We could think about and intellectualize about what it, an apple tastes like by analyzing taste buds and uh, whatnot, or, or the famous argument about color. Hmm. Yeah, you can analyze what, what is red in so many ways, but without experience, when you experience red, that's a different thing altogether. All hmm. so, so it's thought that by intellectual exercise we can arrive at comprehensive knowing. In, in modern society, this is a prominent way of, uh, of thinking. Hmm. But we think that by stopping from thinking, one can know better, and that faith, rather than being a departure from reason, is really uh, reason really becomes uh, beautiful when it becomes subordinate to and an ornament of faith, which is not a fence-sitting, as I said, it's animating. Hmm? It's uh, believing is, uh, seeing is believing, and, uh, and believing is doing. Hmm? So the Vedic way, the, if you will, the, the Chaitanya way, is by hearing, seeing. This is the kind of hearing we have to do. It's simple to hear. You just have to sit and hear, but you have to listen. You have to really hear. Hear means that goes in and it doesn't just go around and come out the other ear. You know, but it goes down. And for that, of course, we need to hear from the right person. That's such that even if the argument, the arrangement of logically of the feelings hmm, and experience don't entirely resonate with you because it's, it's difficult to explain such things that are beyond, beyond reason, beyond language, to put them in language, 
to reason about them and address the human intellect with ideas that transcend it itself. Hmm? We can draw examples from the natural world and try to um, communicate the, 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 these feelings logically, but these experiences logically, but again, they transcend that. And logic is never, never perfect, uh, even when describing imperfect things. So uh, the argument may not entirely settle with you, but a, but a good speaker who has real experience should be able to, to steal into the heart anyway, to some extent, hmm? and create a sangskar for this type of thinking and moving in this direction, and so forth. And if he or she can arrest the intellect, hmm? so that everyone just goes, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and the heart can can beat and be and be nourished and so forth. So, so this is a spiritual gathering. Is 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 the point I want to make here and. Uh, and revelation is is an ongoing affair. So we talked about books and many books, and the fact that uh, Prabhupada would say these are just a few of the many books, and there can be many more, and so forth. Um, the, it, it implies that the revelation is is dynamic, and uh, sometimes it's thought as very kind of static that it's all been revealed. Hmm? Nostradamus said it all, and we just have to go to him and <laughs> interpret it, <laughs> and they will have all the answers. Or the chapter of Revelations, I don't know if it's a chapter or several chapters, or people refer to the, the same thing in our tradition, to the Bhagavatam and predictions, and it's all been said. It's that sort of thought like that in a very static kind of sense. And Prabhupada used to often give an example that in one sense would foster that kind of static thinking about the nature of Revelation. That being, and I've cited it before, and many of you have heard it from him personally, that these books are like law books. Hmm? And so when you go to court and you want to make a case for your defendant hmm, or against the defendant, you have to go before the, the, uh, the, the judge and the jury in this country and, and say, Your Honor, esteemed members of the jury, because of this case at such and such date, and let me cite this case at another date, and how this law was applied at this time, and so forth, all citing the law books, if you will. Therefore, given the circumstance, the nature of the crime, I present to you that he's guilty. Well, if the other lawyer comes and says, well, you know, so much for that, but I really think and I really feel with all my heart <laughs> that he's innocent. This, that one won't go so far. Hmm? Maybe it should, but it won't. So, um, therefore, he would stress we should have identification with a central body of knowledge that's conclusive, that we can through which we can arrive at um, well, conclusive and comprehensive knowledge and ultimately perfect knowing. This is the perfect way of knowing. Well, could you sum that up? What is that perfect way of knowing? Well, we just cite the Bhagavatam. Is that what he's saying? Just turn to page 108. I think the answer is there. Uh, if not, you know, maybe 208? <laughs> 1008? We've got a lot of pages. Uh, so it, it had, you know, it, it could t Prabhupada talked about it in a certain way for a certain reason. You have to understand a person like Prabhupada or any Acharya. They are moving under a different energy. Mahatmanastamam parta daivim prakritim ashritaha daivim prakritim ashrita. They're not under the, under the 
they're moving in similar ways as uh, ordinary people, but the ordinary people are under the influence to one extent or another. I'm not talking about sadhakas here. They're in a different kind of in-between space. Hmm? But the, the, the ordinary people under the influence of the material nature. Hmm? And the siddhas are moving under the influence of bhakti. This is the swarup shakti. Hmm? Opposite kind of influences. Sadhakas in between. The practitioner. A little of both and hopefully going in the right direction. Sometimes it appears to be going down, but that's just... If you go to the Himalayas, you have to go like this. See the foothills and gradually get there. Hmm? So... So Prabhupada, what I'm saying is that under the influence of this daivim prakritim, one will think in a particular way. Hmm? The way Krishna wants you to think at the time, to be most effective in what he wants to uh, use you for, whether that be, or employ you, engage you, whether that be just the development of prem from bhava or in outreach that Prabhupada was involved in. Not every devotee and perfect devotee and elevated devotee is involved in some type of outreach. That's not the entire criterion of who's great and who's not. Hmm? This is an important point. Of course, Gorka Shodas Babaji Maharaj had n- no disciples, and it's thought he got one disciple, hmm? Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, and he told him, don't preach. Whatever you do, don't preach. That's just so much trouble. And... Uh, 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 and a lot of distractions in that and so forth. Hmm? <laughs> and he's on our altar. Hmm? Right? One time, Pujapad Bhakti Raksakshidadeva Goswami Marsha was speaking about the Guru Parampara to us on this veranda and um, how, you know, we cannot name everybody in the Guru Parampara. He was explaining how Bhakti Sanatsar had picked out, you might have read in Prabhupada's Gita in the beginning, the list of the Guru Parampara and it covers over hundreds of years and and so forth. Um, and he likened it to like naming the prominent scientists in the history of modern science. There's thousands and thousands of scientists and they're all bona fide and, and so forth. But some of them make major contributions. You're, you know, Copernicus or uh, uh, Newton, Einstein. And so over hundreds and hundreds of years, we'll name the main luminary. We don't mean to neglect everybody else, but we can't possibly name everybody else. You know, there's a sect, some sects of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, where at, at a certain point, usually at the point of initiation, they are given the, a list of the gurus in their parampara and their uh, sadaka deha names and their siddha deha names and their, 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 uh, some, some information about their life in the lila so that those are to be contemplated and so forth and so on. And uh, Bhakti Siddhartha Siddhartha didn't do this. So sometimes they look and say, well, this isn't, what, what are you, this is not, you know, you didn't get a list of all the gurus in your diksha patra, you didn't get a diksha letter with a list of all the gurus and who that was your name? This one is Kamala Manjari, this one is such and such Manjari, this is... So what kind of initiation is, is that? He was a little future, uh, like, gazing, I, you know, is one answer. There are many answers to that, of course, but what I mean by that is 
That's going to be a pretty long letter after a while. <laughs> Kali Yuga is supposed to be like 432,000 years. You're going to have to have <coughs> volumes and volumes of just names and who they are. So let's name the prominent people. And then for all the Sampradaya, this is something about his, his idea. And of course, we are all products of that. He was told not to preach, but his other guru, oh, two gurus, what a problem. Uh, he, he told him to preach, Bhaktivinoda Thakur. So anyway, we were sitting with Sridhar Maharaj and he was explaining like this. And so one of my gabras who started the temple, um, he had to put the pictures on the altar and he was thinking, how will I put, will I put Prabhupada, will I put Sridhar Maharaj, I'll do this, and, and so forth. And in the context of thinking about that, he thought, and Gorkashore, well, you know, what's his contribution? Shudamar said, Gumar said, well, the major contributions. You know, what did he, you know, so he took him off the altar and then it fit a little bit better. So news of this somehow got back to, uh, to, to Gurmarsh and he said, oh, he was so outraged that uh, he had taken Gorkishore off the altar. And so that sannyasi came and, you know, of course he prostrated himself and, you know, he, apologized for his mistake and so forth. But still then, after it was all over, he said, but, you know, I just have to ask, what was the contribution of Gorkishore <laughs> anyway? And then Sridhar was like, kind of like a lion, which was not like him. He was very, very gentle. Um, but he roared back, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. That was the contribution. One, one person, and that person is, you know, taking it all over the world and so forth. So point is being that devotees are moved in different ways under the, 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 the shakti of bhakti, under the influence of the um, surup shakti. And what we have to look for is their, their, their absorption, their love of God and so forth. Mm-hmm. Their contributions, of course, with regard to outreach, will mean a lot to us because we're part of the outreach. <laughs> so we feel that's great, that's the best because you know, that because of that, we're here. Hmm? But that's a relative best. Hmm? Preaching itself is relative. Hmm? I mean, we were fond of distributing Prabhupada's books because he was pleased with that. And some of the guys really got into it, you know. And uh, one day I had to say to him, you know, you're like sacrificing other important things for selling the books. You should be having your sadhana in the morning and, 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 and so forth. And I was very famous for book distribution. And they used to ask me in the beginning, how do you do it? And I said, well, I get up at three in the morning and then I, you know, I chant all my rounds. I read for an hour. I go to the Mongol Arctic. And when are you going to talk about the book? How do you sell the book? I, I am talking about that. That's what, how I do it. I don't, they used to think maybe he was a used car salesman, I think. And, you know. <laughs> Or something like that, but I had no, I never held a job actually before I joined Prabhupada. So um, no, it's just you know it's a spiritual affair, and and for that matter, speaking to other people effectively is really to do so really effectively. You have to listen to people. That's what you have to do. If you want to speak well, you have to listen well. Prabhupada used to say that about himself. I'm able to speak well because I listen. He meant to his guru Marsh, but he listened to us too. Hmm? Unfortunately, we didn't have much to say, so movement went in a particular way. But he looked for guidance from us. What do they think? And we said, we think they think like this. Or we, th- we said what we thought Prabhupada wanted us to say, which is, of course, not the right thing to say when he's actually looking for 
some direction through his disciples how to proceed in a foreign land and so forth. A lot of the things that evolved over time as policies and so forth were based on information that Prabhupada received from his his own students that um, Prabhupada once lamented. He said, my grandchildren are coming, but my children are not coming. What he meant is, I'm getting these kids, they're 20 years old, 18, you know, 25, that age, but I'm 70, but I'm not getting anybody who's 50, who's got like, got their head on straight <laughs> and could actually you know, give me some advice how it might proceed in a, relatively speaking, hmm, with regard to a strategy and, and, and so forth. So, at any rate, my overarching point here is that Prabhupada was moved, like other Acharyas are, in different ways, for his particular outreach and power to do so, and the bhava takes over the mind of such a devotee and causes him to make a particular presentation that will be, with regard to outreach at least, effective in that time. Hmm? We have to look at the time and see how effective it was and contagious it was. I was sitting with uh, Devahuti the other day, and she said, the Krishna road is like exciting. You know, we're like excited here. You know? <laughs> and she was hearkening and, you know, back in her mind to, to times, you know, in earlier days. And, and uh, in Iskong, when it was like, Mahara knows that better. She's uh, the founder of the Krishna road temple and joined, you know, quite some time before even Devahuti. So she's been able to create that type of excitement and enthusiasm and... Uh, um, and so forth to her to her uh, credit, and uh, so point is that that Prabhupada spoke in a certain way and wrote in a certain way and so forth, and and he accomplished something very extraordinary. And we have to look at what he accomplished, what his faith in Krishna, how deep it was that it enabled that to, to uh, uh, afford him the experience to be able to share in such a way that it was as a, a kind of contagious and. He was able to, as I said earlier, arrest our intellect, really, <laughs> and uh, and then just do heart surgery. When I had the good fortune to come to Puja Patrita Maharaj after Prabhupada's departure, he said, your Guru Maharaj told you many things, but you didn't know it because mostly he told you to stop thinking so that you could put all those things in your heart. Now, my message to you is you have to start thinking about all those things. What do they mean? How to apply them in new circumstances and time and, and so on and so forth. So, uh, so Prabhupada gave us a, 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 a large body of uh, text and, and, and teaching and so forth, and it's part of an entire lineage. And, and as he would say, if you would listen carefully, there are many books. And Revelation hmm, is not really the static thing that that analogy that he often employed, the law books. You go to the law books, you have a standard of knowledge, you refer to them, you get the answer. If that, if that analogy is played out further, it doesn't, the static nature of it, how we, not many of us, thought of it at first, we've got the book, we've got the Bhagavatam. It's like, there it is. It just came, you know, it was handed down through disciplic succession from one person to the next. It's the perfect knowledge. You can answer any question. Hmm? Perfectly. Well, you know, that's true in a general uh, sense. But again, it's, it's, it's a particular in, installment. And so, 
if you play the analogy out, as I said, um, the law books and so forth, the law is being determined on a daily basis. Hmm? What Revelation is saying is being determined minute to minute. Hmm? Minute to minute and new laws are being written. Hmm? And the Revelation is really, it begins with Om. Pujambat Sridhar Maharaj called Om an affirmation, a big yes. What is, so here is the yes. The Veda says, yes. So you think, well, what was the question? <laughs> yes. Well, wait a minute, what was the question? And of course the answer is, you are the question. You are the question. You are, you are, what am I? That's what you are. Why am I? You are in human time, which means consciousness, as I said earlier, is coming to the fore, and self-awareness has arisen in a general sense, and I am, but what am I? And why am I? This is all the troubling. This is, this is human life. It's a big why. Why? Purpose, meaning, value. And, and, and there's a big yes, which is big affirmation, which is you feel that you're more than what meets the eye and the mind. Hmm? There's a feeling in human life that we could be more we could do anything, isn't it? We feel we could do anything. We can go across the ocean. We can go to the moon and Mars and stars beyond. Hmm? We can do it. We can go under the water. We can go high in the sky. While other species are limited to a certain sphere of of, uh, of experience, we feel we can go anywhere because that's the self coming out. It can go. Hmm? Nainam dhati bhavaka, what is it? Nainam chindati shastrani, nainam dhati bhavaka. It cannot be withered by the wind, drowned by the water, hurt by any weapon, burned by the fire. Hmm? We feel like that. Hmm? Movies seem to think that some guys that can do it. No matter how many bullets you shoot, only the enemies get hit, and he always gets away, you know. And uh, so this, you see the whole. <laughs> The world is speaking to us about this. We, 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 we write books, we make movies, we entertain, we, we, and we speak about this. It's the self speaking about itself. This is what human life is. The self is, is, has a voice suddenly. It's a baby voice, so it's kind of babbling and gets confused sometimes, but it's talking. And, 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 and so it, it, it's, there's a conversation. Revelation is a conversation. There are questions. And there is for meaning, for value, and there's a yes. Hmm? There's a sense, I think I could be, there's more. What? Yes, you can be more. Hmm? You, we think we can be perfectly happy. That's what we're trying to do, right? You'd think if you studied the animals, you'd think they've kind of like really reasoned, and no, that's not possible. Just, you know, live with it, you know. We are trying to always perfect the thing, hmm? isn't it? You know, some one cow bumps another cow, it's just like, big deal, you know. It's just life, that's what happens. You bump, people bump into you sometimes, you know. But in here, we think, we've got to change that, you know. We've got to perfect that. We've got to say, I'm sorry, at least, or, you know, forgive me, or, or whatever. We, 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 we have a sense, because we're perfect, hmm? and as, a, as an atma, hmm? and there's, there's some sense of that, hmm? that... Uh, 
that's what we're up. That's what human life is about. And the Veda is saying, yes, you are. Hmm? You are. And I can improve upon that. You're perfect, and that can be improved upon too. That is bhakti. Yes, you're perfect. Hmm? That's nothing. Hmm? Krishna is perf- perfect in Dwaraka. Krishna is more perfect in Mathura. And Krishna is most perfect in Vrindavan. Hmm? <laughs> so, soul is perfect. That's true. But unto itself, hmm? if you could remove the matter, hmm? Hmm? the shadow, the darkness, yeah? uh, still, without bhakti, hmm? the ingress of bhakti, your full potential can not be realized. So you, can, you are perfect and you can be more. This is the encouragement from, from revelation. So revelation is a way of comprehensive knowing. And we, how we need a perfect method for perfect knowing, and this is the perfect method. You have to fold your hands. Hmm? And stop just exercising the logical faculty, which Paco or Pratishtanat. Hmm? That's circular. Any reasoning has another reasoning, and even that reasoning I just gave, <laughs> and that's the uh, nature of, of such. So it's a intellectual kind of knowing is a, is a type of apprehension, of a, a, a apprehending a thing, but, but not comprehensively. It's kind of a faith-sitting analysis, and faith, fence-sitting, actually, faith is animating. Hmm? So it's, you, you, you've got it, you move. And then you can know in a way that you could never know by simply sitting on the fence. Hmm? And so, it, and faith comes, this means divine faith, it comes from those who have it. Great saints, they share that by their very movement in the world. Hmm? That's what they do, that's what they're about. Hmm? Hmm. So, how we got there was that I was saying, nishta, hmm? this stage where bhakti is steady rather than up and down hmm? and still in the learning curve. You've learned something theoretically. What is bhakti? Hmm? You've taken advantage of the literary legacy of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm? You, you, you probably want us to live in the books. And if you do, of course, the books, his books, lead to other books and they say, you have to read this book, or they say, and this is quoted in this book. So you think, well, that must be a good book too. And then you go there. When I was young, uh, not too long ago, then we uh, we used to sit. This is my system. When we would remember, I told you that I was well known for distributing Prabhupada's books, but my method was to read the books. Hmm? And so we would sit with a small group, and, and this was my training, and we would read from Bhagavad Gita. And if the Bhagavad Gita in the purport Prabhupada referred to another book like the Bhagavatam, then we would go to that verse. Then we would read that purport. It might have a reference to another book. Then we would go to that book until we reached the end. Then we'd go back again. This is how we would read hmm? through all of Prabhupada's books. And of course, at different times in our progress, the books will speak to us differently. And at one point, they'll think, well, that's not so important, you know. Another time it'll stand like, out like a road sign. Go here, go there, yeah. go to this book, and so forth. So suddenly you find yourself, this is a trick, if you will. Everything is in my books. It's a trick. 
Hmm? And Prabhupada said, by hook or by crook, you know, <laughs> sell the book. <laughs> so just read my books, and if you read those books, and then if you read carefully, you find yourself, I'm in other books, and, and I see that Prabhupada was here too. He was here. Hmm? Because this commentary, now I understand it better because I see this is the source material that it's coming from. I understand it in context of the entirety of the lineage and the Sampradaya. Hmm? And then I'm, then I'm getting to know my family. Hmm? Sometimes it's thought, by pleasing the Guru, the Parampara will be pleased. Hmm? But as a god-brother, a, a, a god-cousin of mine, Named Madhav Maharaj, she was disciple of um, Mongol Maharaj, disciple of Bhakti Daiti Madhav Maharaj, godbrother of Prabhupada, and he wrote a famous article, published in some Gaudiya uh, edition of Outreach magazine or something. That was, as I said, the, the general idea said, like, please, my guru, the parampara will be pleased. He wrote an article: if you please the parampara, the guru will be pleased. Hmm? It was an interesting. So he brought this together, and, and it's, it's a point worth, worth, uh, worth mentioning, underscoring. Hmm? So you, 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 this is, you, if you have one guru, you will have many gurus. Hmm? If you have many gurus and not one guru, you will have no gurus. That's a fact. Hmm? By having one real guru, then you will have the experience of many gurus. But if you think, I don't want just one guru, I want many gurus, then you have no guru. Hmm? So, from one book to another book, and this way, nishta, hmm? you have intellect, and of course everybody's not a reader, or, you know, so Bhagavatam gives a nice option. Nasta praeshu abhadreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya. This is about nishta, this stage where our practice becomes steady rather than up and down, anishta. Hmm? It's a given that that will be there, so don't feel too bad about it. There's a learning curve, but you, you know you don't want to stay on the curve forever either. You do want to straighten out. And when the road becomes straight in our path to progress, this is beautiful. When the road becomes straight, it doesn't become narrow. You understand me? It becomes straight and broad and many meanings to what I thought had one meaning and I had arrested it and got it. Hmm? Suddenly the same word, the same verse has many meanings and I feel lost happily. Hmm? I feel lost and found at the same time. When I think I'm found, you're lost. When you think you're lost, you're found. Something like that. And it said, those who say they know Brahman, they don't know Brahman. Those who say they don't know Brahman, they know Brahman. You know the famous story about the Bhagavatam. I won't tell that. I tell it so many times. It's a good story. <laughs> Some of you haven't heard. Do you mind if I say it again? No, it's a, I, I, yeah. If I say you understand it, then you have to. Yeah, then you understand it. Anyway. Man sent his son to, to Benares from Vrindavan to get an education. So he went, Benares is a seat of learning, so he learned from many books and scholars. So the son came back to Vrindavan, father said, so did you get an education? He said, yes. He said, oh, what books did you study this time? And they said, well, you didn't study Srimad Bhagavatam. And the son said, no, I didn't, I didn't study that book. Uh, Shrimad, what was it called? 
Srimad Bhagavatam. You just, and Father said, then, no matter how many books you studied, if you have not studied Srimad Bhagavatam, you have not gotten education. So go back to Banaras, study Srimad Bhagavatam. Then you can say that you have had an, gotten an education. So he went back, he studied the Bhagavatam, he came back, Father said, so did you study Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, yes, now I know why you sent me back. Hmm? That book alone is an education, even if I hadn't studied any of the other books. Father Siddhartha said, very good. So you understood Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, he said, yes. Father said, okay, well then go back to Benares and study Srimad Bhagavatam again. He said, but, you know, I did that. No, no, go back again. Hmm? So he went back, he studied, he came back again. This is the third time he's come back now. After twice studying the Bhagavatam, and Father said, so did you study Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, yes. And did you... Uh, Understand stream. I said, now, now I know why you sent me back, you know, <laughs> second time, because I, there's a lot there. Thank you. So now you've understood. He said, yes, after reading twice, studying, now I've understood. Thank you. He said, go back again, <laughs> study Srimad Bhagavatam. So again he went, again he returned. So father asked, did you study Srimad Bhagavatam third time? Yes. And did you understand Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, no, I cannot understand Srimad Bhagavatam. Father said, now you've understood Srimad Bhagavatam. And now you are an educated person. Something like that. So, or on Nishta, hmm? there's, there's a conviction there. Conviction. And the conviction is, is because there's consistent experience. Hmm? It is somewhat experiential, Nishta, because the practice is constant. Hmm? We don't allow for interruption. So the force of the mind is, is there and senses, but we don't, by, by intellectually kind of guided, if you will, practice where we use our head to soften our heart. Hmm? That softening gives experience. Hmm? And so it's compelling. And so you know you're on the right road, but, but, but it's, it's like a straight, but it's not narrow, it's broad. It's everything that was previously black and white has now become 256 shades of gray, and 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 it's okay. Hmm? And it could be looked at this way; it could be looked at that within certain parameters. Hmm? So, by application of the, and, but Bhagavatam says what? As I said, it's generous. I mean, we say, okay, study the books, but Maharaj, you know, like I can't even, you know, not a reader. Something like that. Bhagavatam very generous. It's nasta preshu abadreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya. Hmm? You have to regularly study the Bhagavat. What is the Bhagavat? The Bhagavat is the commentary on the sutras. I said revelation is the beginning of theology in, in human history is the sutras of Vyas where he tries to show the concordance of the sounds of the Upanishad. What have they have a concerted meaning and direction that they're pointing in? Hmm? Bhagavatam is the, is the commentary on the sutras. The sutras are the logic of the scripture, you follow me? It's like putting some logic to this body of jungle of sounds. Hmm? That's why sometimes it's referred to as a nyaya shastra. It's a shastra of reasoning. Hmm? So Bhagavatam is a commentary on that. So it's a good exercise for your reasoning. <laughs> it puts your reasoning in place. If you read Bhagavatam, like I said, you, you realize, I can understand. I you know, I, it's like there's always something more there. So the reasoning is checked and, 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 and informed as to its limitations. Hmm? 
that's somewhat disconcerting because I'm used to going by my intellect. Hmm? And then I know, I know and then I'll, I'll go. Hmm? And then you have to learn, I'll go and then I'll know. Hmm? By going, I'll know. Hmm? <laughs> Not that I'll uh, hmm. go by knowing. Hmm? I mean, head knowing. So, so, but... But how will I? But if I don't not a greeter, then Bhagavatam nityam Bhagavata sevaya. Hmm? And uh, referring to this verse and his Namaskar verse in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami said there are two Bhagavatas to serve. Nityam Bhagavata sevaya means always serving the Bhagavatam, means hearing the Bhagavatam. That's the general idea. But there is two Bhagavatams: the book Bhagavatam and the person Bhagavatam. Hmm? So you should, of course, hear the book Bhagavatam from the person Bhagavatam, but even if you can't study, then you serve the person Bhagavatam. Attach yourself to the coattails of such a person. Hmm. Yeah. This would be Nishta, because that person is going uh, direct. He's going at least so fast to the west that he's always in the sun. Hmm. There's a way of going. You can go fast enough to the west that you'll always, it'll always be daytime. Your world will always be illumined. We want to attach ourselves to a person like that. If he's already on the sun, then it's probably not going to be able to help you that much. <laughs> so, uh, of course, they can just by wishing they can they can help us, and they do. But so from Nishta comes Ruchi, and in Ruchi, as I said. Mahaprabhu says, now, I previously I thought that enough, I absorbed myself intellectually and, and, then, and, 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 I, and I kind of divorced my intellect from its wedding, its, uh, its unholy wedding with the mind and senses. This is a deplorable condition. It's, it's, it's sacrilegious that the intellect will become the maidservant of the minds and senses demands, and I will intellectually think about and make plans and calculate how to satisfy my tongue, hmm? my ear, my genital, or whatever may be the case. This is such a corruption of the of, of intellect that makes humans, but a but a, but a big and very dangerous beast. Hmm. Hmm? So, no, we want to divorce that. And well, reverse it out that the mind and senses will follow the intellect. The intellect will be guided by scripture, and so desires that may still be in the heart they don't have a chance to fructify. If you pour water on a seed enough, it won't sprout. You keep pouring bhakti hmm, on the heart, then those seeds won't sprout. This is nishta, and and then when they don't sprout, they're done. They don't work anymore. They're not, they're, then Mahaprabhu said, I don't have any desire. I don't want any, I'm not in need, need of a significant other. I don't need any wealth. I don't need any. And among those things, he said, and I don't need the arts, the opera, classical you know, um, music. And I said, maybe 54 of Mahaprabhu's associates were of the arts. This is a subtle... Ah, refined, material, you know, worldly. <laughs> Some of you are artists and dancers and thinkers and writers and so forth. So, you know, it's, it's very... It's, so, 
He said, Kavitam Bhat. This is, this is nowhere. Because it's thought, you know, there's a school of rasa, the secular school of rasa, Bharat, uh, Vishwanath, the different Vishwanath, Sahitya Dharpana, and so forth. Uh, they, these, uh, it's thought that Rupa Goswami drew from this body of literature a language to, to, to speak about bhakti. Hmm? It's also thought the other way around. They got part of it from, from, from bhakti rasa, they, secular rasa was formed, and it misses the boat, so to speak. Because while it talks about many rasas, the only real rasa is disgust that comes from interaction with material sense objects. But in this secular school of rasa, there's an idea that Brahman, the experience of, of Nirvishesh Brahma, it's kind of like you get into the arts and you, you kind of lose your sense that you're in the chair and you get transported into the event and it's it's like otherworldly, like hmm, Brahman, something like this. Mahabhuk says, Kabitamba. There's also a problem. Hmm? I have no interest in that. I have interest in bhakti rasa. Bhakti and bhakti rasa only. Hmm? They were artists, they were literateurs, and, and, and so forth. Hmm? And they turned all their attention to glorifying Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, writing about him. So many, I mean, it's a prominent person in six, seven, eight dozen biographies, some of which we accept that are theologically orthodox and philosophically, others we don't, but still live. Some, you know, enough to, interest to write about him. To, so, thousands and thousands and thousands of songs, poems, hmm? say biographies, and then the Goswamis churned the ocean of philosophy and theology, a huge literary uh, legacy. Hmm? And so, to be acquainted with that, this is a good... Uh, this is this is the this is all a form of revelation. By this we can come to some comprehensive knowing. To go, we want to be broad in our outreach to people, hmm? and we want to understand our tradition in relation to the world and its thoughts at any given time. Hmm? But we don't want to do either of those things at the cost of not going deep within the tradition as well. So we want to go deep. And broad, and this Ashirvad Shloka that we're talking about, I haven't got too far with yet, <laughs> is about this. It's about depth and breadth at the same time. He says, "Anarpita charim charat krunayabhutin kalo samarpaitam una tulto rasam sabakti sriyam hari purata sundra duti kadamba sandi pitaha sadaraya kandres purato bhasachinandana." I said it was an Ashirvad Shloka. Means. The author is giving a blessing. Hmm? This verse was originally composed by Rupa Goswami. Krishnas has imported it here into his book hmm, in a very prominent place from Rupa's drama, Sri Rupa's drama, Bidagdamadava. Hmm? Krishnas gives a reference later on in the narrative of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. He tells the story of Rupa's verse and how it was, it was how it was cited for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates in Puri, these were all rasikas, Ramananda Rai, and, and Rupa Goswami was there. Hmm? Mahaprabhu introduced him to Roy Ramananda and Sarup Damodar and others. And uh, Sarup Damodar, I mean, he would check if anybody wrote a prayer or a poem or a song in praise of Mahaprabhu, would go first to Sarup huh? 
And Dhammadar would say, ah, let's, according to Rasa, Tattva, according to Siddhanta, you, this is not correct. This, this will not be pleasing to Mahaprabhu. You've got to change this. If it was correct in terms of Siddhanta, in terms of uh, consideration of Rasa Tattva, hmm, then it could be offered. So there are some parameters. Glorification hmm, must be accurate. Hmm? You know, there's, there's a strong tendency to glorify my Guru Maharaj. Prabhupada, but I like to uh, mention that the glorification should be accurate. Hmm? Otherwise, it, 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 it is, it's not beautiful, actually. It's a, it's a problem. Hmm? You know, for example, if I say, Prabhupada's so great, he's, he's God, he's better than Krishna. I mean, Prabhupada would, you know, roll over in his samadhi, so to speak. And so, you want to see, what did he actually do? What was his actual contribution? It is immense, and plumb the depths of that, hmm? and and then you see that that glorification is accurate. Let's say, for example, of Prabhupada, hmm? in terms of what he actually did, hmm? and how he was empowered, and so forth. Pujapatshudamarsh gave a beautiful uh, explanation of that. Then everybody will agree with you. Hmm? You won't be fight. My Prabhupada is great. Well, he's not. You, you force people, when you inaccurately glorify, you force people to say, well, it wasn't that great. Or, you know, it's very uncomfortable to say, well, you know, that's a little over the top. Well, you don't like him? You know, it's, it's not like that. No, I don't like what you're, I like what he did, but, you know, he didn't do that. Or he's not that. And he's everything for me, for his disciples, and, 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 and those who love him and so forth. But, hmm. but glorification should be accurate. That's important. Hmm. Prabhupada's contribution was very broad outreach. His depth, of course, personally was there. But the depth of his teaching sometimes doesn't go as deep as the teaching of other teachers. doesn't mean he doesn't have the depth. This is a great characteristic of Prabhupada. One likes to be preoccupied with what one is preoccupied with. Right? You like to talk to people with things that, you know, you can resonate with and, and, and they're preoccupied with and you have things in common and so the conversation is natural and happy and, and so forth. And then somebody comes and, they, you know, they're like not there, not on the same page or anything like that. It's, well, you know, how do I have a conversation with this person? And do you try, you be nice, you be considerate and so forth. But it doesn't have the same, like minds thrive together, hmm? right? So, the fact that Prabhupada would speak, in many respects, in a, in, a, in, a, in a more introductory way, which is somewhat required for broader outreach, obviously. Hmm? And that was his empowerment for broad outreach, throwing seeds everywhere and so forth. Huh? Hmm. His preoccupation was very deep. We can find that in his own poem that he wrote on the Jaladutta. Very deep. There you find... Half the, half the poem is all about Sharanagati. Hmm? Second half is all about his longing. Sharanagati is within sadhana bhakti. Hmm? Not to say he was a sadhaka, but he's showing us even by the poem without trying. He didn't write that poem to share with anybody. It was just private writing. He didn't even know if he would make it to the other shore, hmm? to the Boston Harbor. He was just writing his feelings. It's okay to do that. 
<laughs> might be helpful sometime. Hmm? Yeah, deep feelings. And in that he wrote, oh, he prayed to Krishna, my friend, please you give me the power to do the work of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur and so forth. And this is all in the preaching realm. Hmm? And if I can do that successfully by your grace, then I, I want to do this. I want to go and herd cows with Krishna. Yeah. Say, Dean Kabehobimor. What did he say? Anekai Lutabuti. Say, Dean Kabehobimor. Tomaramilani Bhai Abarshe Shukopai Gocharne Guri Dean Bor. Kotabani Chuti Chuti. Banikai Lutabuti. Say, Dean Kabehobimor. Chutta Chuti. Lutaputi, you can understand what it means. Hmm? It's a very happy life. <laughs> he says, rolling and doing somersaults and in the forests and the pastures with Krishna and the cows and this, I want to go there. Hmm? This is the longing of Bhava Bhakti. And the Sharanagati is a prayer for surrender. In sadhaka, as sadhakas, we should have some longing a little bit, but mostly we should focus on surrender. Hmm? put in place the stage on which the drama of bhakti will be performed. Hmm? We find both things in the prayer, very deep, so deep, hmm? so deep, and it's almost embarrassing it's so deep, and so intimate, this thinking. The whole of Gaudiya Vaishnava is found in that poem, hmm? where he says, Oh, my dear friend, Krishna, hmm? let me tell you something. Hmm? It's a fact a fact that can never change, just like the pole star is said to be permanent and everything's orbiting around it in Vedic cosmology. Hmm? So this is a fact. Hmm? If Radharani is pleased with you, your life will be successful. Hmm? You should be sure of that now. Hmm? That would get Krishna's attention. How do you know that? Yeah, that's true. And how can I do it? Well, here's how you can do it. My Guru Maharaj, he's representative of Radharani. He asked me to do this. I need some power from you to do that. And Radharani will be pleased. Hmm? We're all here because Krishna's agreed. That sounds like a good, you're right about the take all the power you want, he said. Hmm? I'll take my, my, my other self, Balaram, Nityananda Ram, and put him inside you practically. Do the, you can do this work and spread widely like anything. Hmm? And we have such liberty to deal with Chaitanya Dev. Such liberty he took. Hmm? People think, you can't do that. You can't, you can't. If you want a temple, it has to be like this, and it has to be the, how do you call that? Vastu and everything. You can't rent a building, and it's got to be built from scratch. And when Prabhupada first tried to get some help from India to build a temple in New York, for example, he wrote some wealthy Hindu person who would, you know, would readily give money for building temples, but they can't do a temple like that. It's got to be a Vedic temple. It's going to be, Krishna's going to be inside of it, you know. And so, and so Prabhupada could take such liberty with Krishna and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, like Archanmarg, worship of the deities. Of course, he had a strict standard in his temples, but once he told us, just get little deities of Gornitai and give them to people and tell them, chant this mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, while waving incense at them, and all your desires will be fulfilled. <laughs> now you can just get some orthodox Gaudiya Vaishnava Baba say, what kind of teaching is that? Uh, that's not the Siddhanta. Uh, you know, we're supposed to give up desires, and you know, you get to worship the deity, you have to have all these things in play. But Prabhupada could take such liberty. Hmm? 
Well, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in the hands of Nityananda Prabhu, he will go everywhere, right? Where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu could not go, he will go. This is an extension of his very self. Itai Chand, Abadu Chandra, Kijai. With this kind of power, he went everywhere. We're all here, product of that. <laughs> here we are, ragtag, you know, group of Krishna West. <laughs> here we are. It's, you know, it already started a long time ago with Bhaktivinoda Thakur. He was the first convert, hmm? Bhaktivinoda, to, to Western convert to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> so. So an arpitichirim chirat karinabatina kalo, samarpaeta munotoza rasam sabakti sriyam hari, purtasundra duti kadamba sandi pitaha sada, rea kandares pratova sachinandana. This is Rupa Goswami's verse. Kaviraj Goswami took it from Rupa Goswami. He explains how Rupa Goswami in Puri was writing the drama, Vidagda hmm, Madhava, and Sarup Damodar. Ramananda Roy and other associates of Mahaprabhu and Puri came and he introduced him to Rupa and he says, oh, he's a very good writer. Hmm? Not only what he writes is beautiful, how he writes is beautiful. His handwriting is like a row of pearls, he said, just by looking at his penmanship. Hmm? The aesthetics of his penmanship will, will, will just arouse you, uh, enliven you, hmm? he says. <laughs> And, and what he's written about, that is, that is very, very, very wonderful. There were rules for that. Surup Damodar, as I said, he knew the rules. Hmm? If you want to glorify Krishna and write about Bhakti Rasa, you don't just make anything up. There are rules how to do that. Who is Krishna? What are the parameters? You have to know the math that underlies the art. Hmm? Right? So, just like in music, you know, you have to learn, so you have to read it, and, you know, if you don't do it in this life, you did it in the previous life or something, and uh, there's math underneath it all. Hmm? So, and, and, and Ramananda Roy, I mean, he was, he wrote Jagannath Balabhanataka, he, he, he's Rasic texts and so forth, they knew. So, so then they asked Rupa Goswami, oh, so you're a writer, and, uh, and, uh, and so, what did they asked about the different verses that were supposed to be in place in a drama? Hmm? And they said, "What is the such and such verse? What is the such?" And then they came to, "What is the Namaskar verse?" Let us hear that. Hmm? And so then he cited this verse. <laughs> And Mahaprabhu turned a different color. Hmm? He had astasattvika blushing. Astasattvika hmm? bhavi, one of the astasattvika transformations is change of color of the complexion. Hmm? So he became <laughs> astasattvika blushing. He became embarrassed that the Namaskar verse was about him. Hmm? It's all about him who he is, how deep he is, and how broad he is. Hmm? How high is bhakti, hmm? and how generous is bhakti, as it is personified in him. Hmm? Hmm? And oh, every other devotee, they love that verse very much. 
Well, he had written very nicely. Hmm? And Mahaprabhu was like, what are you, you're embarrassing me amongst my friends. <laughs> we have intimate relationship. And you're saying these things about me. I'm just a sannyasi hmm? here. I'm just a servant, a student of Sarvabhauma. Hmm? We have to understand, Chaitanya Dev was only 25, 26, 27 years old at this time. Hmm? You know what it's like to be that? Most of us here do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's <laughs> growing. But, I mean... You know, Madhu's birthday today, right? Madhu Mongol, Kijai. He's a whole 24 in a, in a, few, in a few hours. Very good. Raise your hand, Madhu. Yeah. Give, give him a present. <laughs> so, that's young. I took sannyas when I was 25. Just, just, just when I turned 25. From Prabhupada in Vrindavan. Opening of the Krishna Balaram Mandir. Hmm. Mahaprabhu was like that. So here he is with Ramananda Roy and the Srut Damanur elders and, and, and accomplished literatures. I mean, he's Krishna and is Acharya Lila, but he didn't have a literary contribution. He left that to the Goswamis and his associates, and they churned the drops, if you will, of the ne- from the nectar ocean that is his. his, his Eight verses of Shikshastakam, for example, into such a wealth, as I say, an ocean of literature. This is a, a kind of a institutionalizing of the ecstasy of Mahabrabhu, who I often liken to a waterfall that you just have to stand back from. They turned that, his ecstasy, this is what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is about, the ecstasy that is Chaitanya. Hmm? That is the Mahabhav. Malanakya hmm? Mahabhav of Radha. Hmm? It's a very, very high topic. Hmm? They located that, they, they, and they pointed that out through their writing. What is this? They were just analyzing the ecstasy that is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? By writing about it, they made that waterfall of ecstasy, of love of God, approachable, like by making a lake so that you could drink from it, bathe in it, hmm? and get, uh, get some cooling experience from the heat of material existence and so forth. Hmm? But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he inspired all this. He was just a young lad. I mean, it's unimaginable. I mean, you, you have to get this picture. A 24-year-old boy takes sannyas and turns India upside down hmm? as he goes to Puri. Puri is, a, is, is, the, is the city of the Lord of the universe. Pilgrims from every type of persuasion would come to Puri and see Jagannath in a particular way. Buddhists worship him as a tantric god. Hmm? The Mayavadis worship him, all kinds of people. Raj Pratapurj saw every kind of worshiper come to Jagannath Puri. It's the universal city. It's super pluralistic. Hmm? Jagannath, the lord of the universe. Every religious conception can fit in there one way or another and take the darshan of, of Jagannath. Hmm? And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu brought his religious conception. When you hear that, what he saw in Jagannath, those big eyes that don't close, hmm? who could say, why the Lord of the universe's eyes are always open? They never close. Om Tad Vishnu Paramam Padam Tada. Well, you know, God's everywhere. He's seeing everything. That's one way. Hmm? That's the general idea. Mahaprabhu had a different idea. Hmm? He's those eyes are wide. You have to not just take that. Why his eyes are always open? Hmm? They don't blink. Hmm? And why his arms are like this? Hmm? 
but he can't move them. His legs, are, he can't walk. <laughs> it's not just the eyes. So he's like, well, he's God, he's God. He, he sees everything all at all time. No. Hmm? He saw, when he saw, when he saw Chaitanya, when he saw, had the darshan of Jagannath, he saw him with a peacock feather, holding a flute. Hmm? He saw he, he saw Krishna in separation from Radha. Hmm? This is Ratha Yatra. Right? That's why in Ratha Yatra, Mahaprabhu is dancing. His Radha is dancing. What does Krishna say? Hmm? Ami Guru, Ami Shishu Guru Natar, Radhikar Premera Unmata. I am the student, disciple, in the Prem of Radha. That is my guru. Hmm? In, in her dancing school, I've, I've become enlisted as a pupil. I'm learning from her about myself, what I'm like. Hmm? She knows, sees in me what I cannot see. Hmm? And, and, it is, and I see what it's doing to her. And seeing what it's doing to her, it's driving me mad. I cannot close my eyes to that for a moment. Hmm? And my, meanwhile, I have been suspended hmm? in ecstasy from, from moving. Hmm? It means also, I'm a cripple in her dancing school. <laughs> and I'm thought to be the dancing god. Hmm? What are the dancing of Radha? That hmm? is in, in Sankirtan. Embodied in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, these are his weapons, his arms like this, in movement. Hmm? And he's only 25. By this, by this time he's gone to Puri for two years. He's like 26 years old. And the whole of Jagannath Puri has been converted. Hmm? The king has become his student. And when Chaitanya Dev went out of Puri to go to Vrindavan, the king followed him as far as his treasury would allow and gave money every place he spent the night. Make a god, make a, make a temple here. Make a monument here. Hmm? Make one over here. He slept over here. He stepped over here. He spent his whole treasury like this. This is Gajapati Raj, the king of elephants. He, said, he, could, he was wealthy. Muslims could not enter into Jagannath Puri. Hmm? He had a very powerful uh, kingdom. The whole kingdom was converted by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and floating in the ecstasy of his conception of Jagannath. And he's only 25 years old, 24 years old when he came there. Hmm? That's an extraordinary. Hmm? So he'd feel a little embarrassed before his elder learned friends because he would move between the Bob of, yes, I'm, I'm Nishwar and I'm, I'm just a humble sannyasi. I took sannyas from an Advaitin. I'm a Maya body. What do I know about rasa, tattva, anything such, these, these topics? I'm just a student here learning. Now he's written a verse saying these things about me. On our Pitachalin Charat, Rupa Goswami has written, hmm, he says, uh, hmm, a very nice thing. On our Pitachalin Charat, Kurnayabatinakolo, Samarpaitam, Unatoza Rasam, Savakti Sariam. These words are usually emphasized. But Hari Purata Sundra Duti Kadamba Sandi Pitaha, Sadahrdaya. You see, he's not just writing poetry. Hmm? He's writing and he's experiencing. He's having the spurti. The spurti means 
he's meditating and he's having experience. You see, spiritual life, the lila, it's all a meditative, subjective experience. It's a mind, meditative mind, that is on which Bhava is riding. Hmm? And so what will come out of that mind is always within the parameters of Rasa Tattva, which is the daydream of, of God. Hmm? Many things can come, but all within the parameters of that dream. We are living in, in God's dream. Hmm? His kind of night dream. That's the Shristi Leela, this world. Hmm? His daydream, where he, you know, you know, we all daydream what we'll do, and whatever he daydreams, Yogamaya is making it possible, arranging it, arranging it. Hmm? So, so this Leela we want to enter into. When the mind, when the, the ingress of Baba comes, it rides on the mind. Hmm? Causes the devotee to think, act in certain ways and within those parameters and, and so forth. So, hmm? so it's a subjective reality. You kind of, you know, write your script, so to speak, but with a mind saturated with Baba, not, not with an ordinary mind, with a meditative mind. With a meditative mind, you can enter into the world, the hidden world, so to speak, beneath the surface of the objective world. This is all, it comes here in, in the verse, actually. Hmm? But here, with regard to Rupa Goswami, the author, hmm? he says, He's having a spurti. Spurti means like he's having a manifestation of Krishna. He's, he's seeing the leela of Krishna. It's manifesting before him. Hmm? So what is, what is the leela? Which leela? Which leela is he experiencing? Rupa Goswami is writing this verse. In the context of writing the verse, he, get ex- he, he enters into a leela. What leela will he enter into? Hmm? And he gives, he gives he, he, with the word spurutobhasatinan, he says, may you have the spurti that I'm having. Hmm? May you, this is the blessing. May you have the blessing. Hmm? May you have, I bless you that, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu will enter into the cave of your heart. Hmm? Reside there like a great lion, golden lion. Hmm? And roar loudly. Hmm? Chase away all of the vices, all of the vices in it, that everything that arises from attachment to matter, all that ignorance, hmm? that will all be chased away. Make a clean place for them installing, in, in, inserting something else. And that cave is there, that there's a hole in the mountain of your resistance that you are. <laughs> you are a very veritable mountain of resistance to your own self-interest. But he's finding a hole in that mountain, hmm? going in there. And may he go in there and live in there and stay in there. Hmm? May you have the spurti of Mahaprabhu in your heart. May he actually appear there. He's not just fictitious, a theological person, a real person. Hmm? May he go there. But when he's saying this, what, 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 is, what is he having? What, what leela is he experiencing, of course? This is the question. Hmm? It comes in the name. Hmm? In the leela, in the name is a leela. He says, Satchinandana. Satchinandana. This is such a nice name. This is a name that implies depth and breath in Gorlila. Depth and breath of Gorlila. Sachi means the name of his mother. He says, Satchinandana. That's the name for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is the Navadvip leela. There is no Aishwarya. He's the son of Sachi, the joy of Sachi. Hmm? When Rupa is writing this, this comes to him. Who is Sachi? What was her position? Hmm? Her husband had died. Her eldest son left home to take sannyas. She turned to 
to Nimai Vishwambar, her youngest son, what will I do? What will I do with my life? Hmm? Vishwarup has gone and takes sannyas. Now my husband has left. What is my position? You are, he was just a child, the boy. Hmm? What will happen to me? I should throw myself in the Ganges. Hmm? She's speaking like this, and with great feeling, Vishwambar Mishra stops her. No, you cannot do that. Hmm? You are my mother. Hmm? I will always be with you. I will always protect you. Hmm? If I, even if I go to some other country, you will always be my mother. It means I will always be thinking of you. Even if I go somewhere else to another country, I will always be here. You have to understand that. Hmm? He pleads with her, no, you don't do and I And he assures her in such a way hmm, that she's somewhat pacified. Hmm? And Rupa Goswami is thinking, oh, this, what, what, he will go away. He will take sannyas, but he will stay there. Hmm? His, the depth here is the Navadvip Leela. This is the ideal, the prayogen, where you want to go there, to associate with Nimai Pandit like a friend, servant. We go to Kirtan with Nimai Pandit. Let's go. Vishwambar is going now to the house of Srivast. Finish your puja. Let's go. Hmm? This is the evening entertainment. Hmm? Finish your puja, honor some prasad, and we'll join him. Hmm? And the torchlight along the way. Hmm? Enter the courtyard of Srivast, and we'll sing and dance the night away. Hmm? That's the idea in Hari Kirtan. Hmm? Hmm? But that's Sachinandan. You see, he could not live without the love of Sachi, and Sachi means all the Navadvipasis. She's the mother of everyone there. Hmm? That's a fact. Hmm? The Shoda, she's the mother of everyone. Even we are from Radharani's camp, from her family. Hmm? Yes, it, that's another thing. We come from that side. Radharani's camp. She has so many uncles. Hmm? One father, four uncles. Hmm? And they got, what, 20 children. Hmm? Eight females, twelve, eight girls and 12 boys. Hmm? This means Astasaki and Dwarasa Gopal. Hmm? Twelve cowherd friends of Krishna and eight principal gopis. Hmm? They're all coming from there's Rishabhanu, Chandrabhanu, Brihadbanu. These are all the brothers of Rishabhanu, the father of Radha. Hmm? Kind of a, he's kind of a foster father. It's an interesting story. But, um, and then his brothers. And, they had, and so this is the, we come from this side. But still, Jashodamai, hmm? she's, she's the queen of Vrindavan, hmm? queen of the cowherds. She's everybody's mother. She's appearing as Sachi. Hmm? In Gorlila, so when he says, "I cannot leave, I cannot leave you," I, oh, I'm always with you. I, 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 he became a monk. Chaitanya Dev became a monk. He did it. He left home. What happened after he became a monk? He put himself in his mom's hands. He said, "Mom, I'll do whatever you want. I'm a monk, but I'll do whatever you want." What kind of monk is that? You see, isn't it in poor in in, in Adwaita's house? Nita hmm? was sent. He got brought everybody. Brought Sachi, everyone. Chaitanya had taken sannyas. He was now Sri Krishna Chaitanya. Hmm? A very special name, Sri Krishna Chaitanya. That's a whole other interesting discussion, but there they came. And then he said, What have I done in Madness? I've taken sannyas, I'm a monk, and I, I, but I belong 
to my mother. She's, I have to take care of her. Whatever you say, I will do. Mm. So he could not live without her. He could not live without all these people of Vrindavan. Not the same, Navadweep. Hmm? This is where he's fully present. He could not live without them, and he could not withhold hmm? what that is about from everyone else. This is his dilemma. This is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, you see. He could not live without that, but he could not withhold it from the people of the world either. Hmm? He had to give it out. Hmm? So both sides, you see, the depth, what is the frame of of, of Navadweep, which is the frame of Vrindavan. Hmm? You enter the Navadweep, you find your Swarup in Vrindavan. Hmm? Worship in Navadya, live in Vrindavan, the teaching. Hmm? As deep as Vrindavan Leela gets, you find it in Gaur-Lila. Hmm? Deep as you go in Krishna Leela, you find Gaur-Lila. Deeper you go in Gaur-Lila, you find yourself in Krishna Leela. Because why? Gaur is Krishna. <laughs> no no difference, different moods, but same person. Hmm? So, there, in Adwaita's house, this is late, he, he became a monk, and then Mother said, oh, what to do? No. So, she understood, I have to give him to the world. Hmm? I can't let him go, but I can't let him not go. Hmm? This is very tearful. Hmm? Sannyasa of Mahaprabhu for all the inhabitants of Vrindavan. We know, or Navadweep. We know we're making progress when we feel the pain. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has taken sannyas. Usually we think, Jai, he took sannyas. He's a sannyasi now. That's great. He's going to go and preach and all these things. And everybody in Navadweep is thinking, this is the most horrible event that could have possibly happened on earth. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu will leave us. And now even if he stays, he's a sannyasi. So you can't get close to those guys, you know. They wear different colors. They sit on a few inches higher than everybody else. They get their own rooms and stuff. <laughs> it's a problem. Some Aishvarya. You see, the sannyas is distancing him from, from Nadia. So, Rupa Goswami is remembering, experiencing these leelas. And, and Sachimata says, all right, so you go to Puri. You were going to go to Vrindavan. You go to Puri. Stay there. That is like another room in the same house. That Navadweep is in. We always there's always commerce between here and travelers, pilgrims going from Puri to Nadia to hear news about you. Sometimes devotees from Nadia can go there, like for Rathiatra and so forth. So everybody, the wisdom of Sachi, mother knows best. Hmm? This uh, prevails, and Rupa Goswami's he's calling out, "Oh Sachinandan," hmm? yeah. and he says, "May that Sachinandan." May he enter and live in the core of your heart. Hmm? May these leelas all unfold. He may understand that the depth and the breadth of Gaur Leela. And then he goes on to speak about that. In other words, we have to come to that in our next uh, discussion. Jai Satchinandan Gaudhari. So, any question? Yes. This may sound basic, probably everyone else got it. But you kept saying that Lord Chaitanya couldn't hold it back, just uh, a few sentences back. Yeah. Uh, what was that? It means that that the wealth of prem hmm, that he experienced in relation to his associates in Navadweep, hmm, he couldn't live without that. He is that, right? He corresponds with that. Hmm? 
but he couldn't withhold it from the people of the world. He couldn't just stay in Navadweep hmm, and withhold it. Hmm. He had to also felt compelled to give it to the whole world. So this is his dilemma. I can't live without this, but I cannot withhold it from everyone else. So I have to devise a method that people will be able to access this. Because it means that bhakti is deep and high and bhakti is generous at the same time. Hmm? These are kind of two characteristics in a sense. Very high, that's post-liberated, beyond liberation, hmm? and, a, and a gracious gift. A, very high and very generous because it comes down to just anybody, like me and you, old friends. <laughs> bhakti has touched us, right? Hmm? Quite unexpectedly. So we are so, we're so blessed. So he's in this embodiment of bhakti. Radharani is bhakti devi. So she's deep and, and broad and generous. So he, he, so he couldn't live without it, but he couldn't withhold it from everybody and just stay in Navadweep. Hmm? So then he had to think, how I leave Navadweep and share this. So the whole lila, leaving Navadweep, taking sannyasis, all showing the way to enter into Navadweep. Hmm? How to enter into the kirtan in the courtyard of Shivas. Hmm? This whole sannyas lila, it's kind of nimitta, it's an occasional lila hmm? for teaching. When you understand it, you go to the Nitya Lila with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Navadvip and he's a householder there. Grihijana Shikshaka, Nyasikula Nayaka. Grihijana Shikshaka. He's perfect, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it means. He's a perfect, he's a perfect householder. And he's the hero of the sannyasis. This is funny, funny, funny language of Bhakti Vinod. Nasikula Nayaka. Nayaka, you know, means in poetry and the aesthetics of Indian art and drama, and so it's, it's, the, it's the, the hero, means like the leading man. Hmm? Krishna is the perfect nayaka. Hmm? There's 96 nayakas. Hmm? There's the pati and upapati, the married one and the unmarried one. Hmm? Uh, and <laughs> anyway, there's two, and then there's, and then there's four types, the dhirodhata, dhirodhata, dhiraprasanta, dhirla, Dear Lalita, so you have four times, what did I say, two? It's eight. And then there's four different moods that any of those could be. And so eight times four is 32. Hmm. And there are three places where those heroes will show in Bhakti Rasa. In Dwarka, as I said, which is perfect. Mathura, most perfect, more perfect. And Vrindavan, most perfect. So 32 times three is 96. Yeah, 96. And Krishna's all of those. That means, you see, he's the perfect object of love. For different devotees and different leelas, and so, all of these. Krishna shows himself as the dear Odata, dear Lila. I mean, Ram will just show, what is he, the dear, dear Prashanta? Hmm, I forget. I'm not a Ram Bhakta, but... Uh, Krishna shows all of them. Hmm? It means he's the perfect object. This is Ujjbal Nilmani, the first, very beginning verse. Perfect object of love. Hmm? He's the Vishayalambana. Hmm? In Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, when after he, Shirupa speaks about the practice and so forth, and he speaks about Bhakti Rasa, he begins with what? Description of the qualities of Krishna. This is he's describing the Vishayalambana, the object, the perfect object of love. Hmm? It corresponds with the perfect kinds of love. Shantadasya, Vatsali Madhur, all the qualities. And this is what you have to learn how to read, read the book, what's, what's going on there. Hmm? Um, so, so, anyway, Mahaprabhu had to give out hmm, 
everything. Then we're that is that's the nature of bhakti. He's a personification of bhakti. Krishna's all those heroes and Radha's what a three hundred and sixty heroine types, you know, all in one. It's quite a leading lady and man, man and lady. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, Goris, Goris. Yeah. He he shows the way to enter there. Hmm. You have to see that all that sannyas lila and, and sankirtan is over there has a purpose. Hmm? Has a purpose. Yeah, we used to get. I, was, I told this earlier. I didn't finish that one point I was making. Let me go back for a second. We were fond of selling the books, you know, and it was like the thing. Probably one of the books selling book, books. And one guy I had to tell him, you know, you would, you know, it's not just you know selling books. You have to do the sadhana and so forth. He said, no, you know, that doesn't matter. The books are sold probably please. And I said, well, you know. You're not going to be selling books in Goloka Vrindavan. Hmm? He became outraged. What are you talking about? So think about it. You know, yeah. there's, a, there's a means here and there's a goal. You know, so. There's no book selling in Goloka Vrindavan. What? Book distribution, is there? Maharaj, how come you're not... <laughs> Selling books anymore, they say to me sometimes. That's a good question. Come on in, let's talk about it. <laughs> well, but <laughs> anyway, yeah, so what else? Any other question? You've been a very patient audience. Yes? Um, sometimes you think maybe some devotees might not even like the name Sri Krishna Chaitanya or Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They might kind of cringe if they hear that name, or they don't want to think of Mahaprabhu like, in that way. Yeah. You're asking? Yeah. Well, that's, um, would be very extraordinary because, um, it reminds me of another point that I was making, that I was glorifying Prabhupada. I was saying that his outreach was very um, broad, and so that sometimes we'll, um, as the broader it gets, the you know the less deep it's going to be. Doesn't mean that Prabhupada wasn't deep, as I was saying. People like to talk about that which they're preoccupied with. Remember, I was saying like minds, so forth. But what Prabhupada, one of his the greatest qualities of Prabhupada was that he, where he was preoccupied, as I was saying in that prayer, was so high, but that he would bring himself down to talk with us. This is the greatness, you see. It doesn't mean he wasn't deep, but he was talking to us on our level. Hmm? And, 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 and I would watch him bring himself down to talk to me. I'd think, oh, this is very generous, <laughs> where he was. And here I am, like a bug on this, you know, on the wall, and he's going to talk to me about this and explain it and so forth. Very generous. So Mahaprabhu was very generous, and and he... You know, his outreach as Mahaprabhu was Sri Krishna Chaitanya. Hmm? So there may be, the devotees very advanced, they like to think of him as Nimai Pandit and so forth. They don't like to think of his sannyas, we're talking about that and so forth. But these, you see, will be moods of deep inner um, uh, life that invariably will, will not uh, hold. Um, we know we speak, for example, about the Mahabhagavata, who sees Krishna everywhere. This is the description of Bhagavatam. 
That person, you see, you, you cannot function like that in the world. That person cannot function really effectively in, in the world for making a strategy to preach. He can't possibly do that. Hmm? Even we find Mahaprabhu was going in and out. Right? He would go deep into Krishna Lila and he'd become unable to function in relation to his community. And he would come out hmm, to external consciousness. One who can go in deeply and come back out, oh, what do you think that? That's extraordinary. Hmm? Maybe inwardly, deep, hmm? like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was deeply inward, chanting Gopi, Gopi, Gopi. And one school student came and said, What the heck are you chanting? Gopi, Gopi, Gopi. Well, nothing will come from that. Hmm? That's not authorized. Radhe, Radhe, Radhe. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you have to chant Krishna, then you get piety. So, he's preaching Nam Aparad, but by chanting Krishna's name, you'll get good karma. He didn't like that. Mahaprabhu didn't like that. But more, he was deeply absorbed in 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 the in the lila, and he was siding with the gopis over Krishna in an argument of love. Hmm? So he said, gopis are right, gopis are this side. I'm not. And so somebody says, Krishna, Krishna. And then, don't chant that name around me. My goddess does not want to see him, that dark snake. She doesn't want to see him at all. Keep him away. This is the mood he was in. So he chased that student. The student said, Disney, my pond has gone mad. He's beating up Brahmins. Yeah. So Mahaprabhu then he thought, oh, I have to take sannyas. They think I'm an ordinary person. If I take a sannyas, I wear a dress like this. People think I'm important. And then they'll, then they'll listen to me. Hmm? This is his idea. So my point is that, yes, one could very be in a deep mood and uh, not uh, like to hear Sri Krishna Chaitanya, the sannyas name, so, but, but but practically, we don't find that in any functioning devotee, even amongst Mahaprabhu's devotees in his leela, that, that this is kind of private and uh, something that can happen, but it's not somebody is in normal, if you will, spiritual consciousness. And oh, I can't stand the name of Sri Krishna Chaitanya or Mahaprabhu. This, this is just not something just pretense, if you will. I mean, I haven't seen anybody do that, but does that help to answer your question? Yeah. And this is, of course, the very generous Leela of Mahaprabhu. He's going out and and showing, you know, showing people how to enter into the Leela and so forth. We have much appreciation for that. But in Bhajan, that's another thing. Because one of my godbrothers had sannyasi, had little deities of Gornathai that, that, that Prabhupada gave him permission to worship. In those days, nobody had deities except, you know, a couple people other than in the temples. And... Um, I had Prabhupada give me permission to take little Gornatai deities with me. So I had seen this sannyasi, Guru Kripamar, some of you know him. He had, he had, he had made platinum, you see, you have to know the guy, platinum, <laughs> platinum redungas for his deities and gold dundas like this, you know. This one's not made out of gold, it's better than gold. Um, but, uh, and then he, and he had them, you know, dressed like sannyasis. I had never seen Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Nityananda Prabhu dressed like sannyasis. So I went to Prabhupada and I said, Guru Kripa Maharaj is dressed in a deity like sannyasis. I've never seen that before. 
How should I think about that? And Prabhupada said, we don't like to think of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as a sannyasi. He said, that is why Nitai broke his danda on the way to Puri and threw it in the river. And so, hmm? he was in this mood like this. I was very much appreciative of that. And then we dressed Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also not like a sannyasi, not austerely, but like with opulence, like hmm, in married life, and he dresses nicely, and that kind of thing. So this is the pre- preoccupation with the objective, with the ideal. Okay, I think we've talked enough. What was the time?